Hi folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, high atop the Highway 7 Ridge Line from TSPN. That would be the Survival Podcast Network Headquarters, also known as the Ant Hill. Today is Tuesday, October the 4th, 2011, and today is episode 755. And if I sound jazzed up, it's because I have one of the most awesome guests we've ever had on TSP back again, Mr. Stephen Harris, guru of all things alternative energy. Today he is here to talk to us about alcohol-based fuels and to tell you how you can make alcohol-based fuels in your own home. Yes, legally, there's a few things you have to do. We will cover that in detail. He's also got a special offer for you I'll tell you about in just a minute. And uh, then I'll introduce them, and we are going to go through exactly what you need to do to be able to make alcohol and use it as a fuel for motors and engines and everything from generators to cars around your home, how to do it, uh, you know, maybe not super low cost at first to learn the technique, and then how to do it for almost nothing. How about that? How cool is that? Before I do, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one today is MERS-radio.com. Again, M-U-R-S-a-dash-the-word-radio.com. That's Rob there, man. I'll tell you what, he doesn't have a ton of stuff. He's got a handful of select equipment that he knows stone cold, so anything you're wanting to do that involves additional security and communications around your uh, homestead, he's the guy you need to talk to. And I'll even have some of his stuff in the booth uh, Friday and Saturday of this week out in Salt Lake City. So if you're in Salt Lake City, come by. I'll show you the motion detectors in the base station, how that stuff works. And we're even going to be giving it away. So he's a great supporter of the show. Again, check out MERS-radio.com, and you will find that you can combine security and secondary communications without the need to get the feds involved with a license on your own homestead in a really cool and affordable way. Next up today, Safe Castle Royal, the original survival podcast sponsor. Why do I call them the original sponsor? Because they went first. They were the very first people that stepped up and said, Jack, what does it cost? We want to do this. We want to be on your show. We want to be on your website. We want to be there, and we're willing to financially support you. And uh, that was almost three years ago when they're still here. And I talked to Vic, and their, their contract comes up at the end of the year. And he said, you bet we'll be here again. They also give away their discount buyers membership. That's $29 lifetime membership uh, to their discount buyers club. Free to all members supporting brigade members. But what do they provide, though? Just about anything you could need for your prepping needs. Long-term storage food, uh, tactical equipment, hunting gear, 12-volt uh, products, alternative energy products. And they build some of the most awesome hardened shelters you will find anywhere in the world, check them out today, uh, Safe Castle Royal, the best way to contact, connect with them and anybody else uh, that we mentioned on the show is go to the survivalpodcast.com, click on their banner in the right hand margin, that way you know you're dealing with an actual sponsor, not somebody whose name is similar, because that does happen, especially as you build a brand in the world, people tend to try to pirate that brand, so go to the site first, click on their banners and you'll know you're with the right people, and remember our sponsors are not just people that showed up with a checkbook in hand, they have to go through a a very in-depth approval process. They are personal endorsements and rec- rec- uh, recommendations by myself and the listener ad council on our forum, which is made up of our forum's moderators. Next up, remember, you can connect with me with Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, also, remember, you can uh, connect with a lot of other members of the community on the forum. Check out our gear shop and do consider joining the Member Support Brigade. If you do that, you get exclusive content available only to members. Uh, remember also law enforcement, military, Peace Corps, anybody that participated in national service level, uh, email me the details of your service and I will give you a national service discount. All right. Um, I am about to introduce Stephen, but I want to make sure we actually didn't get it into the early part of this interview when I did this interview earlier, so I want to make sure that I get it out right up front. In my hand is a book that I could beat somebody to death with. It's by the guru of all things uh, alcohol fuel, David Bloom. It's called Alcohol Can Be a Gas. It's uh, a Mother Earth news book for wiser living. It's almost 500 pages long. It's a serious book. That's me tapping it on the desk. Um, it sells for about 45 to 50 bucks, something like that. I'm not sure. Um, if you want a free copy of this book today, I'm going to tell you you can do that. All you have to do is go to a website called imakemygas.com. Again, imakemygas.com. There will be a link in today's show notes. 
And uh, there's a little form on there, and you'll see uh, Jack Spirico, the Survival Podcast, Alcohol Can Be a Gas Giveaway, winner selected. And uh, put your name and email there and say sign up to win this book. And he will be giving away four of these books. He will be giving them away to the first person, the fifth person, the 20th person, the 100th person, and the 500th person to fill out that web form, meaning everybody has a chance to win it. He will also be telling you about a way you can get the book and some other cool stuff at a discount when I bring them on. But with that, uh, I wanted to make sure that everybody listening to this had a chance to be number one, so I wanted to put this in the front. We'll run this from the 4th through the 6th, and uh, he will pick winners on the 7th. All right, with that, uh, we have the housekeeping wrapped up, and it is my great pleasure to introduce, uh, again, one of our most popular guests of all time, Mr. Stephen Harris. Hey, Stephen, welcome to the Survival Podcast yet again. Jack, I'm thrilled to be here. I just love your show. I love your audience. And I got so many of my people who have told me that they have just fallen in love with your show and listen to it every day now. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you coming back. We, we really have had probably more feedback uh, from your episodes than just about anybody else that's ever been on the show. You're, you're definitely a top five all time uh, as far as uh, audience audience embracement. And I think it's because you bring us real stuff that we can actually do. And, and I think that's a big part of what people listen to the TSP for is not just you know how to think or, or what's going on out there, but what they can actually do in their own lives. Uh, so today you're here to talk to us about making making alcohol fuels. And, uh, I mean... Is that, you know, just kind of leading off here, is it a reasonable thing for the, 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 the lone person sitting in their house to think that they can actually uh, make a difference in their fuel requirements doing this? Yeah, as my friend David Bloom, uh, the author of the book Alcohol Can Be a Gas, says, making alcohol is so old, it's the second oldest profession in the world. <laughs> I guess next to prostitution. Yeah, prostitution would be the first <laughs> oldest profession in the world, and making alcohol would be the second oldest uh, profession. I mean, this goes back to 8,000 years ago with the times of the Egyptians of making uh, basic beers. Uh, making alcohol fuel is pretty straightforward. Basically, you, you, it, you do either two ways. You take starch-based products such as corn, wheat, rye, barley and you mix it with um with an enzyme which in this case would, would be uh malted barley and that converts the starches over to sugars which is our goal then you ferment the sugars and you make alcohol of course we can cheat all that in the modern world by just taking sugar adding yeast which i mean get red star baking yeast uh in a five gallon container and it'll make a 14 percent solution of ethanol alcohol or you can use molasses, which you can buy on the surplus market. Um, or you can um, get coke syrup. Coke syrup surplus, which is flushed down the drain in many bottling plants, is a great source of uh, sugar that, of course, is not good for us, but the yeast just love it, and they turn it into alcohol. And there are a whole other variety of sources that I'll get into with you that are free sources for getting feedstock that you can make all the alcohol feel you could possibly want. And, I mean, there's, I mean, you're just making me think. I mean, as a brewer, we often use corn sugar uh, in powdered form for carbonation because it, it, it ferments quickly and cleanly. And uh, so we might even do an all-malt beer that we're very proud of. And still a lot of us will use a half a cup of corn sugar at bottling time. So that's very cheap as well. And, you know, we can get into the ins and outs of whether corn makes sense for, for biofuels in a bit. But there's tons of sources of cheap sugar out there. And if you have cheap sugar with a little bit of enzyme add to, to make sure that the yeast are healthy and can get done what they're doing, fermentation is as simple as letting things happen. And as a brewer, there's a whole plethora of things we were talking about offline I have to worry about, that if you're going to make this stuff to dump into a car, you don't really care. Yeah, you got to worry about uh, your bucket being perfectly sanitized and not being open to the air for too long because there's yeast in the air, and those yeasts will get into your bucket, and they'll compete with your alcohol-producing yeast, and they'll throw off your flavor. You got to be at the right temperature. We don't care. We throw in starch. We heat it up. We throw in the enzymes. We get our sugars. We cool it down. We throw in the yeast. We close up the bucket, put a fermentation lock on it, and let it start bubbling. And whether it there's some bad yeast in there, it doesn't matter because we're going to distill the whole. We're not going to drink the wash. That's called the wash. We're not going to drink the wash, but we're going to distill the wash and get the alcohol out of it. 
And no matter what you read about rums and vodkas and all, and all the other stuff, everything distilled is vodka. Whiskey, rum, bourbons are all nothing but vodka put into charred barrels for many years, between three and nine years, and they get their color and their flavor from the charred wood in the generally oak barrels. Yeah, it's, it's really an interesting process how that works. They put these things in these great big charred barrels, and as temperature changes, the, the, the alcohol in, in, in the, uh, uh, the, you know, the vodka, if you want to call it, the, the, the alcohol itself, the alcoholic beverage actually is forced into the pores of the wood and back out m- many, many times over the aging period and the type of oak, the, the, the source grain. Um, some people do it like Jack Daniels is a sour mash, which means they take some sour 3% of the old mash and add it to the new mash. There's all these different things that create the different flavors, but in the end, the process is fermented grain yep. uh, into alcohol and it's always the same. It's just what you do with it. Uh, during and after the, the the process that changes its flavor and nuance. Correct, correct. So everything being distilled is going to be, and basically it's going to be pure alcohol, which is going to be uh, generically termed as vodka. There are some more details with what we call the heads and the tails, what comes out first, what comes out in the middle, what comes out last, but for the purpose of if you're making a, a whiskey or a vodka to drink, you're concerned about with what's coming out first, which you throw away. And But if you're making an alcohol fuel, you're not concerned with what comes out first, middle, and last because it all burns. Correct, correct. And, I mean, you mentioned 14%. There's some uh, distiller's yeast you can get from Midwest Supply that will handle alcohol tolerance levels up over 20%. So 24. we can actually go ahead. 24. There's up the, 24. The, the record right now is about 24%, but it might take 7 to 14 days to reach that. Uh, the easiest thing for people starting to use is just to use uh, Red Star oven bread yeast, and that will get you to 14% in 7 to 10 days if your bucket is around 80, 85 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, then you can graduate into the more exotics. You can go down to your brewery store and get uh, champagne yeast, which I think is E1118, but it says high alcohol champagne yeast. That will get you to 18%, and then you can get into some of the more exotics, which are called turbo yeast, and those throw in nutrients and other things for the yeast such that it'll make its, its do its job in 48 hours instead of 7 days to 10 days. But, you know, for starting with, with what you can do now, with what you can get off of the grocery store shelf, we'll start you off with your first batch with 10 pounds of sugar in a 5-gallon pail with 4 gallons and 1 quart of water, so 4.25 gallons of water. And a couple packages of Red Star yeast, throw the lid on it, put a fermentation lock on it, available from your local brewery store, and let it start bubbling. And once I get that, I'm going to get a yield out of there. I'm going to have a little bit of loss in the volume, but then I'm going to have to distill it. Yes. And when I distill it, if I start out with about four and a quarter gallons, what am I going to end up with if I had 14% alcohol in a distilled fuel? Well, you are going to end up with about one-third of a gallon of 92% ethanol, which would be 184 proof. What's wicked stuff right there, man? (laughs) Right, right. And actually the way premium vodkas, you know, triple distilled, Grey Goose and everything else? Yep. Oh, well... What you do is you distill it, then you take that and you put it back into the still. You distill it again, take that, put it back into the still, distill it again, put that back in the still and distill it again. That's called triple distill. That's where XXX came from on jars of moonshine because it meant it was triple distilled. And you actually distill it up to 184, 190 proof. And then what Grey Goose does is they add distilled water back to it to bring it back down to 40% or 80 proof. So what, so what we're going to do for making ethanol alcohol, the examples I have for you here are not triple distilled. They're quadruple distilled. We actually distill it four times to get it up to 92% or 184 proof. And I have, usually this has been where the magic is, the still, the column, the pot, the fire underneath the pot, cooling water and everything, a column ratio of 24 to 1 to get 192 proof off at the end of the column, blah, 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 okay. 
I have a tabletop still for you that is a little bigger than the coffee maker. You plug the thing in the wall, pour in your wash, and I put it on a timer from Walmart. And it's like for my first run, I'll say, okay, run my first batch for three hours and 30 minutes. I set it and I go away because it's got a fan for the cooling instead of having water cooling. And I come back. I sit down in the morning. I come back, and there's my batch of first batch of alcohol done. It did it from 14 to 50%. And then I'll pour in some more of my wash out of my five-gallon pails, and I'll say, okay, do it again for another three hours and 30 minutes. And I'll tell it to do this about four times for one five-gallon pail, and then I got a batch of 50%. And then for my batch of 50%, I pour my batch of 50% back into uh, the still again, and I run that for four hours and 20 minutes. Just a little $8 Walmart digital timer. Say Monday, start at 12.05, Monday end at 3.35, and it'll run for three and a half hours. So on my second run, I do it for four hours and 20 minutes, and that moves me from 50% alcohol to 80% alcohol. Now, if you were doing distillation for spirits to drink, this is where you would generally purify it and, and add more distilled water and bring it back down. I run it even again from uh, 80% to 89% in another run, and then I run it from 89 to 92% in the fourth distillation. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, one thing we should point out here is if we're doing this for consumption in the United States of America, it is... Illegal. Illegal, correct. But if we wanted to do this for making fuel, it's completely legal, and there's one thing we have to do when we're finished with it so that it's not drinkable anymore, and that makes it legal, and what is that? You have to add 2% gasoline to it. Well, that's a pretty easy thing to do. Hey. Now, some people are sitting here running numbers, Steve, and they want to know the economics of this little this little mini still. So um, it, is this actually profitable to me to make my fuel this way in any way, shape, or form? Yes, it is. But let me back step one and say you got to have a permit from the federal government to distill alcohol for fuel. Uh-huh. It is completely free, F-R-E-E. It is from ttb.gov, which is tango, tango, bravo.gov. And they will give you a free permit for 10,000 gallons a year. And some states require you to have a permit. Most don't. Check with your local state government. Texas doesn't, for example. And then there's the economics of this. If you used sugar from Walmart, it would cost you about $9 in sugar to make half a gallon of ethanol fuel. Now, that would be $18 a gallon of gas equivalent, which is horrible for a price of fuel, great for a price of whiskey. And keep in mind, if you're listening to this in New Zealand, it is perfectly legal to distill alcohol in New Zealand for consumption purposes. So we don't have to have the disqualifiers for them. But then... You know, it gets you started. Start with sugar and water because it gets you going. And you, you, now you, you learn the process, yeah. right? I mean, that's the most important thing. You learn. you learn how to do it, and you convince yourself you can do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so once you've done sugar fermented to alcohol and distilled the alcohol, and then you put it into like a little cup and you lit it, and you see this beautiful blue flame, you go, yeah, man, I did this. This is mine. I did this. I can do it again. Then we get you into a step of where you go get free Donuts, okay? You've heard of day-old donuts? Well, two-day-old donuts, three-day-old donuts, those things are thrown away. They got a high sugar content. They got a great simple starch content in them. You put them in a bucket. You add water. You take a drill with a paint mixer. You slurry them all up like they're a big blender. Heat them up to about boiling point. Let them cool down a bit. You throw in, at that time, what's called alpha amylase, which is an enzyme that breaks down the starch. Now, starch is nothing but a long chain of sugars. And these enzymes start breaking down the long chains and the shorter chains. Alpha amylase happens to be kind of familiar. It's spit. It's the same thing that's in your spit. When you start salivating and eating something, your alpha amylase, your saliva, starts beginning to break down the sugars even before they reach your stomach. And then you take your, what you're mixing up, you let it cool down a little bit more, and you throw in what's called glucoamylase, and that finishes breaking everything down in, from starch down into the final sugars. 
and you take a little bit of your wash out and you put it into a little, not test tube, because I don't want to be that fancy, you put it into a little cup and you add a couple drops of iodine, which is iodine solution from Walmart, like you put onto a cup. If it turns purple, you still got some starch present. So you go back and add a little more heat and add a little more enzyme until you do that and there is no purple left. Now, this is called the six-step process, okay? And it is 100% completely documented in explicit details with color, photos, circles, explanations. In the Bible of alcohol fuel we have called Alcohol Can Be a Gas. And that book, along with the distiller and everything else we're talking about, is on imakemygas.com. And if you don't understand me saying I make my gas.com, go to solar1234.com and there will be a link there to it, plus all the show notes and everything else. David Bloom wrote this book. He used to be the alcohol guy for Mother Earth's News going all the way back to the 1980s. He was a good friend of even Buckmeister Fuller and Buckmeister Fuller wrote the introduction to it. David Bloom is the god on the face of the planet Earth, probably the number one most knowledgeable person in the world in making alcohol fuel. He took four years to write the book, Alcohol Can Be a Gas. It weighs four pounds. It'll stop a nine-millimeter bullet. It's 632 pages long. It covers everything you could possibly think of about making uh, from making alcohol from starch, making alcohol from sugar, which enzymes to use, what temperatures, how to modify a car to run on pure alcohol, which is basically pretty easy. You put what's called a fooler on the engine and holds the injectors open a little bit longer because alcohol is a little bit less dense than gasoline. And he talks extensively in the book about how your car, your American-made or foreign-made gasoline car right now will run on about 50% alcohol and 50% gasoline, or 50% E85 and 50% uh, ethanol. So what you're doing with us, whether you want to just mix it, let's say, 20, 80, 30, 70 with alcohol and gasoline, or if you want to go get E85 and do a mixture of E85 and gasoline, it's in the book. Or if you want to take your vehicle and convert it over to run over 100% ethanol alcohol, I mean 100% ethanol alcohol fuel, even though it's only 92% or 90%, the book covers on how to do that. And you can run a vehicle with slight modification off of this alcohol that we're talking about you're producing today with the tabletop still. So the book, I mean, the, it, it is awesome. I, I have the book because Steve sent me a copy guys and it's, uh, it, it is, it's a college education in one book on alcohol fuels. But, I mean, that's, that's the best way I can put but it. But it's written at a sixth grade level. It is. It's very easy to understand. I mean, a fifth grader, sixth grader could read this and go, Oh boy, I'm going to get drunk tonight. Uh, I mean, he, he covers everything there is in it. It is full, uh, one that's entertaining. He's got about every liberal cartoon against oil you can think of in the book. So it kind of holds your attention. And plus it's full of photographs he's been taking for the last 30 years. He shows you everything, every little part, every little how-to. He shows you how every still is made, how, uh, uh, reflux distillation is done, how weir plate distillation is done, uh, what rising rings are, and how you can use uh, pot scrubbers from Walmart as a substitute for your, your column packing. The, the diameter of the columns, to get 192 proof out, you need to have a 24 to 1 column ratio. So if you got a 2-inch internal diameter, you have to have a 48-inch column still. It has to be 48 inches tall. If you have a three-inch diameter still, you can put this many gallons through it per day, per hour, and it's got to be 72 inches tall. Um, but it doesn't have any plans in it on how to build a still. Okay, It shows you how stills are made in all different parts, and you can make a still off of it, but it doesn't have any step-by-step plans. And Plus, the still generally is fired by fire. 
uh, underneath of it, which is temperature controlled, and you got to have a high column, but you got to have a wide diameter to get a good throughput, which means a higher column that's higher than the ceiling in your garage. So that's why we got this little tabletop distiller for you to start with. You know, it's by far cheaper than getting a larger column stove. And it, it gets you started today. It gets you started doing with what you want right now. If you ran that little tabletop distiller and you had alcohol can be a gas and you mashed up your own donuts and you put in the enzymes and you fermented it and you made your own uh, mash, and let's say you did this in like four or five-gallon pails, if you ran your distiller twice a day for four days, okay, so in the morning before you left for work and at night before you went to bed, you would make one gallon of 92% ethanol in that period of four days. And that includes the four distillations. Because I'm counting running twice a day as running distillation two, distillation three, distillation four in that process. Now, that doesn't sound like much, okay? But we're, we're talking about a, a, a still that costs about $215 plus $15 shipping. And we're talking about something you can do today. And I'm talking about one gallon of fuel that you made in four days. And that one gallon of fuel will work in your lawnmower, your generator. You can try it in your vehicle. We'll go over some of those details. But it's one gallon that you made today. And that one gallon might take you, well, depending on your vehicle, 12 miles, 20 miles, 30 miles, some vehicles up to 40 miles. But that is something that you did that was underneath your own control. You did without permission from anyone else. And it gets you, like Jack says, okay, now I understand. I can do it, okay? Now you can intelligently say, hey, I can get what's called farm bread from my local uh, bakery store. You know, the bakery outlet store? What happens when it's too old for the bakery outlet store? It becomes what's called farm bread. It goes to farmers for pigs and uh, other animal feed. Well, you can get, I got photographs of my pickup truck, which I should put up on the website, just full of farm bread that I got for just a few dollars. You can take that farm bread, mash it up, heat it up, add your enzymes, convert it into sugar, ferment the sugars, and then distill the sugars into alcohol, then distill the alcohol into up to 92 proof. So, But it, it gets you started at a basic level, and you go, I can do it! I mean, Jack, I mean, there's, let me put, there's, let me always, put a, in perspective. there's, there's always a Let me put it in perspective for people, Steve. Yeah. Uh, I think one thing that people need to see, okay, let's say it's a gallon a week you're making, all right? You can actually do it in four days, but let's say you just do a gallon a week, and yep. you take two weeks a year off. That's 50 gallons of fuel a year. Let alone if you ran two stills at the same time. Then it's 100, and if you actually did it every four days, I don't want to do the math and figure it out, but it's probably closer to about 180. Yeah. If you just kept it going constantly. So, I mean, it, that's a significant amount of fuel for the average person. But the timer makes it automated, okay? You have to babysit. If you had a column still and everything, usually you're babysitting it, controlling the heat, the temperature at the top of the column, which is covered extensively in alcohol can be a gas. I mean, you're sitting there babysitting and watching the drops come out and producing the fuel. When you take this simple tabletop still which has its own fan for cooling, you plug it into the wall and you put the, the timer on it, it's automated. Now, you got to determine your own times because it, it varies based upon your mash. It varies based upon your room temperature. Now, it took three hours and 25 minutes for me for my first run. I know if I fill it up to three-quarters inches from the top with the wash and plug it in, Every day I can set it for three hours and 25 minutes, and I'll come back to a 50% alcohol distillate that I'll then save off and use for my, for my secondary runs. So I do all my first runs first, and then I do all my second runs, distillations second, and all my third distillations third. But, I mean, with that timer, I know I can always do it at three hours and 25 minutes. And the way I know that is because I have a test kit. And a test kit consider, consists of a vertical jar, uh, a, uh, a cylinder, and a hydrometer. A hydrometer is nothing more than a piece of glass with numbers on it that has a lead weight on the bottom. And it bobs up or down, higher or lower, and tells you your alcohol percentage in your cylinder, which is a long, skinny beaker, okay? And... So as it's coming out, I take I always take off like the first two cups and pour it into the cylinder and say, okay, I'm at this proof right now. 
So for my first run, I got 14 in the pot, and I'm going to go to 50. I always keep on distilling until what's coming out is 25%, and then I stop, okay? That's how I know when I reach 25%, that's how I know I can turn, that's my timer mark to turn the timer off. Now, when you, you don't get allowed 25% off, you really, it, it goes from 14 to 50, and it stays there for a long period of time, and then it falls off real quick. You're looking for that fall-off time. And that's your cutoff point. And when you look back into the pot, you'll see what's missing. In this case, about 25% of the wash that you put in there is missing. It's come out in the form of water and alcohol as 50% alcohol into your pot on the outside. And anyways, that's how I set, that's how I set my times. So I could talk about this for well, that makes sense. I mean, I think the thing is, if it's not done and you went too short, you just do it for a little longer until you figure out what the right amount is. It's it's a lot like when I asked you about upping the pressure in using uh, uh, biogas. You said throw another rock on top of the yeah. thing and you get it where you want it. Yeah, exactly. Throw another brick on top of the bag and you get your pressure where you want. Don't worry about if you left a little bit too much of alcohol in your resulting wash. All you do is throw it back into your bucket of your next fermentation and you, you've lost nothing. Sure. That makes perfect sense to me. Um, one thing I want to talk about before we move forward here, because I want to tell people I can get all this stuff, but there's a lot of people out there that are under the same misconception I was, that this stuff's highly corrosive and dangerous to put into our cars. And it's just going to, you put it in your car, your car's going to explode or, or whatever. You're going to eat your seals away. It's going to eat your gaskets away. Um, I even heard some of this similar stuff from Ed Wallace, who I trust a lot in the car industry. So you want to address that for everybody because you gave me a real education on this. Yeah, I want to address it. And remember, my background is as a vehicle engineer. I did research and development for Daimler Chrysler. I did vehicle testing and development. My specialty was Jeeps and Dodge trucks. I worked in vehicle development in the scientific labs. I have man years in wind tunnels, man years years on proving grounds, testing in the desert heat and the winter cold. I have had complete fuel systems apart and in pieces because I put my instrumentation on them for testing and everything else. And if you're describing something that is corroding the fuel lines and eating them away and your gaskets are disappearing, especially with your gaskets disappearing and everything else, you're talking about sulfuric acid doing this type of destruction. Ethanol, alcohol is something you drink, to put it into perspective. okay? It is not a corrosive element that absolutely goes in and destroys your vehicle fuel system. The caveats to that are the following. What does destroy fuel like that is called methanol alcohol. Methanol is a completely different alcohol. It's like apples and oranges, both fruits, but both completely different. Methanol alcohol, which you are not making in any shape or form or component thereof with what we're doing, and that is because we're not running a hot fire. I mean, you make methanol when you're making ethanol alcohol by running too hot of a fire and heating up your mash and actually breaking down the components of the mash, parts of which are methane and methanols. Methanol is very corrosive. Now, the other slight caveat that might extend to some older vehicles that would work in a very slow-motion manner is it does not destroy the seals, okay? The seals don't care about ethanol alcohol and whether there's 8% water in it or not, okay? Some older vehicles with different metal fuel lines, not the modern stainless steel ones, might have a very slow motion reaction to some of the water that is in the lines. But see, we've been running oxygenated fuels for a very long time in this country. And your fuel tanks aren't metal. They're high-density polyethylene. They're blow-molded plastic. Uh, the fuel pumps are all made to run off of oxygenated fuels. And one of, how do you oxygenate a fuel? You add ethanol, okay? We've been running ethanol, 10% ethanol in our cars for over 25 to 30 years in most of the states, and now it's in all of, all of the states. So we've been running ethanol in vehicles for a very long period of time. And let alone with today's flex fuel vehicles designed to take any amount of ethanol from 
100% all the way down to E85, down to E20, E15 and stuff. All the material science for the components has been changed, so they are basically as neutral as you could possibly think of. Because not only do our vehicles have to last for 10 to 15 years now, they don't rot out as quickly as they used to, and people are keeping them longer. We don't know how the fuel system is going to change. And a good example of that, last year there was a big push to go from E10, which is where we are now, 10% ethanol, 90% gasoline, to E15. Let's just put 5% more ethanol in all the fuel and get rid of 5% less gasoline that we have to import from the Middle East and we make domestically with corn, a whole other subject. Um, and so that was getting pushed through, and the automobile companies were going, no, 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 we don't have E15 in our manuals. And that's the Bible for anything in a car is what's in the manual. But nevertheless, the forethought of the vehicle, if it can handle 10% ethanol, it can handle 15% ethanol. If it can handle 15% ethanol, it's going to handle your E85 that's going into it, which was the big problem we had someone writing in. Because David Bloom tells you an alcohol can be a gas, and I tell you the same thing. We've run 50-50 E85 in gasoline in our personal vehicles for years, and there are no problems, no fuel line corrosions, no injector problems, no gasket problems. It is something that you can start to do today. You know, to be fair, no, I think you did. And to be fair to Ed Wallace, now that I hear you say that, that was one of his big concerns was the manuals, and people getting screwed on warranty repairs by the manufacturers, even if, if, if ethyl alcohol wasn't the cause of the problem, where somebody goes, and I have this fuel system problem, and they say, did you run uh, you know, E15 or higher? And if they say yes, well, okay. Um, and you know, if everybody's doing it at that point, they'll say, well, we know you've done it. And people not getting their warranties covered, even if it wasn't the alcohol that caused the problem because you violated the manual. Yeah, exactly. The manual is the Bible for the vehicle, and it's what determines your warranty and everything else. So we're making and policy decisions on a manual that just is a number that they threw out at the time because it was the standard at the time. Yeah, and the vehicle was engineered for the manual. I mean, you can sue a company based upon what is in the owner's manual. I mean, that's used for the defense and legal lawsuits sure. all the time. Is It's not in the manual, or it is in the manual, the manual states. I mean, a great deal of work goes into what is put into the manual of a, a vehicle. So if you had a $90,000 Lexus, and you got a three-year warranty on the thing and everything else, you know, I'd feel comfortable with you putting E85 with 50-50 mix into it, but... 92% alcohol with 8% water in it, I wouldn't put into my $90,000 Lexus. I'd put it into uh, one of my other vehicles. And you had a whole guy on here talking about survival vehicles and $3,000 mm -hmm. pickup trucks and everything else. That was a great show. And this is a great place to start putting uh, this type of fuel into your vehicle. And I can get into a whole other subject, maybe on another show, maybe on this show, we can convert our 92% to 100%. Now, you ask me why can't you do it right now on the stills, because at 92% alcohol, the water and the ethanol are boiling off at the same temperature. We get sure, higher sure. yields of ethanol because the ethanol boils off first before the water does. But once you reach a certain point, about 184 proof, the ethanol and the alcohol are boiling off at the same time. You can't separate them. So what you do is you take your 92% ethanol and 8% water solution and you pour it through a molecular sieve, which is a fancy word for certain types of diatomaceous earth and other compounds that have holes and pores in them of a certain diameter, and what it does is it absorbs the water out of the alcohol, and it gives you 100% alcohol out of the bottom. These are commercially available products. I'll probably try to find some more sources for you for the follow-up show with questions and answers and stuff like that. But then we're talking about pure 200 proof, pure 100% alcohol, that you can mix with gasoline, make your own E85, E make your own E10, and you wouldn't have any of the worries because there wouldn't be the slightest amount of water in your fuel. Of course, if you live in a winter climate like I do, and you you have worries about condensation of water in your fuel tank, 
in the wintertime if your fuel tank is not completely full. So you pour some remover in there, some heat or something else. And what is this generally? Oh, gee, happens to be ethanol alcohol. <laughs> you, awesome. You, you, awesome. You, you pour in ethanol alcohol to mix to allow the water to dissolve in with the gasoline so it's uniform and it goes through the injectors into the engine and away you go. Do you know why I love having you on the show? Because I get you started, and then the questions that I have for you, you just keep going and answer them before I even ask. Because that's where I was going next on what do we do about the 8% water. So I think that pretty much killed that question. Yeah, it does. Sometimes you guys say, Steve, uh, long answer or short answer? (laughs) No, man, you you rock on. Because that's what people are here for is the information. So um, you actually put together like a whole little kit for people with the book and the distiller and everything like that where they can get all of this at, at your website, right? Yes. Okay. Again, it is – well, it, let's back up. If you want all the show notes and everything we just talked about, it's at solar1234.com. Uh, there will be a link there to all my stuff, my background, stephenharris.net, my websites, ush2.com, knowledge publications. You can sign up for my famous free family preparedness class, which thanks to Jack, I've had over 108,000 people take my free family preparedness class. The link is on solar1234.com. Sign-ups on solar1234.com. It links you over to beforethestormhits.com. So that's you know me and my links, but solar1234.com today will link you also over to imakemygas.com. Exactly what it, what it sounds like, imakemygas.com. And on there, I have a complete kit. Okay, I have pallets of stuff ready to ship to you. I have the tabletop distiller ready to go. I and all again it holds one gallon internally. You put the top on it. It's like a coffee maker. You plug it into the wall and it distills alcohol into the bottle. I have the test kit, which is the uh, it's got a specific gravity hydrometer in it, which tells you how much sugar you have or do not have, which you won't have to use for these beginning tests. It has the alcohol hydrometer, which floats into the cylinder, the beaker, and it tells you what percentage of alcohol you have. So you can use this to determine, hey, Steve ran for three hours and 25 minutes. I need to run for three hours and 15 minutes. So you can set your timer you get from Walmart to make your still production automated. No babysitting required. Again, this timer is an on-off timer. You get it at Home Depot, Lowe's, or Walmart. It's it's eight bucks. You plug in the wall, and you type in when to start and when to stop. Also on the website, we have the book "Alcohol Can Be a Gas" by David Bloom, the Bible on alcohol production. There's a picture of it, and I got a quarter and a dime sitting on it, to show you just how big this thing is. Like I said, it'll stop a nine millimeter bullet. We have David Bloom's three and a half hour long DVD, which is his, his entire class on alcohol. Uh, it's called Alcohol Can Be a Gas DVD. It's up there on the website, and we have a combo deal for you. If you want the still and the measurement kit and the DVD and the book, Alcohol Can Be a Gas, I'll give you a discount. I'll give you free shipping on the com- combo for anyone in the USA and throw in a free copy of Sunshine the Dollars. Anyone outside of USA, Canada, Mexico, New Zealand, Australia, boy, you know what, guys, I've heard, you all listen to Jack's show. I got emails from Jack's show from around the world, so I'll take care of you. You email me and say where you are, I'll write back to you real quick with a shipping price. The shipping price is no profit to us, it's the exact price to ship it to you. But I don't have anything else on imakemygas.com. It's just those things. Nothing extraneous, nothing more than you need. It will get you started with making ethanol alcohol. And really, since we're on the Survival Podcast, Jack, and part of this, your show really has to do with survival, and part of survival has to do with bartering and trading, which might be a post-apocalyptic, non-law prevalent society. Uh, the knowledge of how to make your own alcohol and the ability to trade uh, alcohol for goods and services is a very powerful, powerful thing. Technically illegal in the United States right now. You cannot make alcohol to drink. It's not with distilling. Not with not distilling. Wine and beer. Wine, wine and beer, but you can't distill yep. it. 
But if you were one of those people who were putting things away for post-apocalyptic things, this would be a good item. It is not illegal to own a still. You can own the still without the permit. You're not supposed to run the still to make fuel alcohol without the permit from the federal government. Like I said, the size thing is the size of a coffee maker. It fits on your kitchen countertop. And you can get your permit for free at tangotangobravo.gov. Yeah, so yeah. You, you can get a permit if you need one. I, I always want to, I'm going to give one little uh, tidbit here, Steve, on how you can actually sort of cheat to distill uh, and do it legally and up, and it would be more like making a fortified wine or fortified beer. Um, the Germans would call it a wine done this way, Eiswein. Uh, and what you can actually do, folks, is if you bring uh, an alcoholic uh, wort, uh, pre-beer beer or, or a must of wine, down to a temperature just slightly below freezing, the first thing that will freeze will be what, Stephen? The water. Now, the way you technically do this, <laughs> okay, the, the way you technically do this, and to my understanding, I could be wrong, but to my okay. understanding, it is illegal to freeze concentrate wine in the United States. I could be wrong. You can Google it. I don't think it. that's true. There's too many homebrewer books with it in there as a technique. But the, uh, the way you do it, so, the way you do it is you put your mixture in the freezer, you keep it still, and you let it freeze. And you keep on checking the temperature. And once it gets to below 32 degrees Fahrenheit, you drop in one ice cube. And that is your seed crystal. And then all of the water will start freezing on that piece of ice you put in as the seed crystal. Yeah. And it'll leave a higher concentration. Now you can, you should do it with the seed crystal. It will kind of happen without the seed crystal. The seed crystal is just an ice cube. Um, but it makes the whole process go a lot quicker, and that's where... Just remove your slush, and you have a fortified wine or a fortified beer. Yeah, and, and, and we, would call, we would call that in Europe brandy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I never really thought about it. Yeah, that's, that's one of the uh, ways of making, of making brandy. Now, so now you, know, now you know more than you knew before. Right, right. And if you read online about making alcohol to drink, there's something called the heads, the middles, the hearts, and the tails. The heads, the hearts, and the tails. The heads is about the first 2% of your alcohol. So out of this distiller, you'd collect your first shot of whatever was coming out, and you'd pour it down the drain or use it as fuel. And then you would collect your middle and your end runs. Because the first stuff coming off is some of the acetones, the ketones, the uh, aldehydes, which are made in the fermentation process. This is what gives you a hangover, is these components. You're trying to throw them away so you don't get a hangover. Not to say they are essentially harmful or anything, that you might get a hangover from them. They'll add some flavor and some aroma to the alcohol. But to put it in perspective, when you make beer or wine, all these byproducts are left over in the beer and wine that you're drinking, which is the same thing as making the wash to distill for the vodka that you would make with the still. Um, so that kind of puts it in perspective of... We just refer to them as impurities. They're yeah, impurities, we, and we, that's what they are. Which is, and that's why you get less of a hangover from a clear liquor, a clear, clear liquor like a vodka than you do from uh, some good old Jack Daniels will... Uh, uh, kind of turn into your worst nightmare if you over-imbibe in something like that. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, that's the difference between drinking Grey Goose and drinking and drinking the same amount of alcohol and wine. And with one, you'll get a bad hangover. With the other, you won't. It's because of all the four-shot products, all the heads that are left in it from the alcohol production processes, which is the way alcohol is made. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, very cool, man. Again, folks, the uh, website here is imakemygas.com and uh, solar1234.com will get you everything. Of course, I'll have everything like I always do in our show notes, so you'll be able to link to all of these just by going to the Survival Podcast and pulling up today's episode. Uh, and I'm sure, Stephen, you probably want to hear, I'm sure we've, we've, we've like opened a lot of minds and created a lot of questions, because that's usually how those two things go together. And I'm sure you'd love to hear all the questions we're going to get on this subject uh -huh. and maybe come back and answer them. I ask, yeah, go to the show notes page, Jack's page, where we talk about the show, and enter all your questions. Enter everything you can think of, every truth, every fit every myth, every fiction, every question, everything you've read, and we'll take care of them all on another show. And let me go down through my notes here to make sure we haven't missed anything. Uh, cheap donuts, farm bread, pastry droppings from places that make pastries and, and bread. Their dough falls on the floor all the time. You can get that. 
as a cheap source of uh, stock for making alcohol, fuel, coke syrup. Uh, if you live near a big port, you can actually get molasses imported. Molasses is imported into the United States all the time for an, an, uh, an addition to an animal feed. So you can actually get uh, blackstrap molasses and other molasses before and after the sugars have been taken out. You can get it cheap and you can make your own alcohol from it. Cattails. You can make alcohol from cattails. That's very big in the book Alcohol Can Be a Gas. He talks about cattail farming extensively. As you know, you can eat most parts of cattails. If you eat it, it's starch. If it's starch, you can convert it over to sugars. If it's sugar, you can ferment it into alcohol. Uh, That's awesome. Jerusalem artichokes is something you can grow on the ground that has a, a, will make a high percentage of alcohol. Sugar, oh, sugar. I want to stop you there. Stop, I want to stop you there. So sunchokes, the root tubers of sunchokes we can use to make alcohol. Jerusalem artichokes is what yeah. they call them. The yeah, there's like billions of those growing wild all over the south, like from Florida to California. Yep, they grow awesome. They grow like weed. Sweet sorghum. It's a sweeter version of sorghum you can use. Now, let's say you live in Washington State, like a friend of mine does. He gets bad apples by the barrel load. He runs them through an apple press, compresses out the juice, and he ferments the uh, the apple juice into alcohol all the time. Uh, let's see what else is in my notes here. Oh God, Jack, I learned a good thing from you about brewing. Something that makes a good brewing container is a 10 gallon insulated water barrel from Home Depot. That, that was an awesome trick you taught me. Uh, let's see. It's legal in, in, in New Zealand, illegal in the United States. We covered the fuel system. Oh, the MSB discount. The MS, there's a membership brigade discount for me, Steve Harris, USH2.com. Knowledge Publications. The MSB discount applies to all my books and DVDs on USH2.com. There's a link at Solar1234.com. Hey, folks, that's 15% off everything yeah, there. Yeah, Solar1234.com has the link to USH2.com, and it's 1234.com, not 123. And uh, you have 15% off of all my books, all my DVDs, Join Jack's Membership Brigade. The 15% discount does not apply to I Make My Gas or to Alcohol Can Be a Gas and, and the distiller because those prices on that website we put up for you, for Jack's listeners, are already at the lowest price we can offer. I just don't mess around. I just give you guys the best price we can possibly even get um, because you're, you guys respond so good. The audience is so great. They love the stuff that we do. Satisfaction is guaranteed on everything we have. Don't worry. I take care of you left and right. If there is any problems, any questions, anything with your order, anything with shipping, we respond quickly to our emails, and we 100% take care of you, and we especially take care of Jack's customers. Well, cool, man. And I want to tell you folks, this uh, this kit that Steven's put together, I, 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 I'm going to get one. Oh. I'll just put it to you that way. I'll endorse it. I'll endorse it by saying I'm going to get one. Um, I, I do believe that he's got the right name for his overall company, which is Knowledge Publications. And a lot of this stuff sounds great. It sounds like great in theory. You can read a book on it. You can see all the stuff on it. But let's face it, if you've never done it before, you often feel over your head. When someone can put it together in a simple-to-assemble kit where you can just set it up, plug it in, follow instructions, and do it, it, it switches the psychology from theory to practice. And once you've done it in practice, you start to see a million different ways that you can do it for yourself. So I think that it's not just an investment in a product that would do something for you, but an investment in a knowledge acquisition so that you can take it further and as far as you choose to. Maybe this is all you want to do, and if so, that'll do it for you. But if you ever get to a point where you want to produce, you know, I don't know, about 50 gallons a month, this starts you on the path to be able to do that. Jack, there's something we've completely forgotten, and you're going to have to go to the front of the show and add add something in. We, okay. we are giving away five copies of the $47 book, Alcohol Can Be a Gas. And we're giving it away over uh, the 4th, the 5th, and the 6th of October for Survival Pad Podcast listeners. So if you're listening to this right now, and it's October 4th, 5th, or 6th of 2011, you can go to... Either solar1234.com, get the link to imakemygas.com. The page will pop up. 
There's a little video there, a little intro, but scroll down just one half of a page, and right next to the book, Alcohol Can Be a Gas, and keep in mind, this is the four-pound, 600-page book. It costs $47. There's a sign-up there for your name and your email. Enter your name and enter your email. It's all underneath privacy, my privacy policy and Jack's policy. We don't sell or give away. You might get some emails from us. That's about it. Uh, you put in your name and your email in there, and the first person, the fifth person, the 20th person to sign up, the 100th person to sign up, and the 500th person to sign up will all get a free copy of Alcohol Can Be a Gas sent to them. And if you had already purchased it from me either years ago or if you just picked up the kit or the book on the website and you win, I will give you a check, a refund, trade credit, gold, silver, pennies, whatever you want. <laughs> I will refund your, your money or I will send you a free book. And Jack, awesome. Jack and Steve and me, Steve and me, the same person, um, <laughs> we, we will announce the winners, their first name, their last initial, and their state. We will publish and we will write to them personally. We will announce the winners on October 7th of 2011. So Actually, on the show, Steve, it will probably be the Monday after the weekend that I'll make the announcement because I'll be in Salt Lake for the Self-Reliance Expo on that day. Okay, it'll be on solar1234.com. Awesome. I'll email the person. Jack will email the person to say that you won so you know it's legit. Um, and we'll publish the winners so everyone knows that we, we published the winners. And, 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 and I want to do something right here because you keep talking about how big this book is. I'm holding the book in my hand. It's about six inches above my desk right now. That's the book. <laughs> Just it, it is it is really a bible on on alcohol fuels. Steve, man, you you know I love because you always bring information. You always bring great opportunities for people. And you just you have the heart of a servant, and you want to increase people's knowledge. So having you on the show with all this is awesome, and I love that you always do something for the audience, give something away. So thanks for that, Jack. I mean, your your audience really makes me go the extra mile. I worked for an entire week putting together what am I going to do for the show? What am I going to do for the show? What am I going to say? Because I wanted to say it in step one, two, three, four. I wanted to explain it. I wanted them to be able to do it because your people by far more than anyone else, takes what we talk about, you talk about, I talk about, and they run with it. They actually do it. And that is the, as a teacher that you and I are, as an instructor, instructor, that is the biggest compliment that we can ever get. I'm continually amazed that people tell me, I got your book, Sunshine of Dollars, and I got all this free glass, and I got some solar panels for free, and I made a hot water heater, and it, and I speak with other authors, and we do the same thing. It's like, someone actually did what we wrote about. I mean, even after yeah. all these years, I'm continually amazed. So when I get a response like that, man, I, I, I put in the extra midnight oil on it. Again, Steve, it's just been absolutely an outstanding, uh, outstanding episode. Every time I have you on is, I know you're going to want to come back, and I just want to say thank you uh, for, for once again being on the Survival Podcast and for volunteering to come back. Oh, Thrilled, happy. I, I will be back. Look for me in about a month or thereabouts, and we'll take care of your questions and the answers, and my best to everyone. All right, folks, and with that, this has been Jack Spierko today, along with one of my favorite guests, Stephen Harris, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. There's nothing I can do It's the price we pay, I guess We follow all the rules There's a better way to do this Let me show you a better way
Show you. 